Morbidology is a weekly true crime podcast hosted by me, Emily G. Thompson, author of Unsolved Child Murders, Cults Uncovered, and co-author of Unsolved Murders, True Crime Cases Uncovered. 911 emergency. My son shot my husband. I need an ambulance. He's bleeding. Using investigative research combined with primary audio, including 911 calls, interviews, and trial testimony, Morbidology takes a look at some of the world's most heinous murders. Do you know why you're here? For a uh, home invasion gone terribly wrong. Listen to Morbidology now on Apple, Spreaker, Stitcher, Podbean, or wherever else you get podcasts. Due to the mature content of this program, listener discretion is advised. Thanks for tuning back into the Depth of Darkness, the podcast that dives deep into all things dark and wrong in this world. I'm your host for today, Mandy. (laughs) Welcome back, everybody. Hope you're all staying safe and healthy. The world is a crazy place right now, and uh, it's kind of unpredictable. So I hope you're all doing okay if you guys are impacted either by the virus or all the other chaos that's going on in the world. I hope everybody's staying safe. Just remember, we're all in this together. Under all circumstances, we're in this together. So much love to you guys, and just hang in there. We'll get through it together. So welcome back. Welcome back to today's episode. Welcome back to our podcast. We're still going strong. Um, Today, we wanted to give you a horror movie review, and it's actually one of my new favorite horror movies. I've actually seen it quite a few times, at least five times. That's how much I enjoyed it, um, but it definitely has a lasting impact, so keep that in mind. If you guys haven't seen this yet, I definitely recommend you go see it. You can kind of make your own assumptions about it and your own opinions, but I'm going to give you my opinion. So the movie we will be discussing today is called Megan is Missing. So Megan is Missing, it was directed by Michael Goy. I think that's how you pronounce his name. I apologize if that's incorrect, but Michael Goy, he's the director and the producer, screenplay. He had a huge hand in this movie, and he did a good job, in my opinion. But it was filmed and released. It was released then in May 2011, so it's been around for a few years, almost a decade. So the movie, it's a, it's a found footage style horror flick, so gives you that kind of Blair Witch feel gives it in my opinion I love those type of movies because it's creepier like it feels real like for the longest time I'm not gonna lie I legit thought the Blair Witch Project was real and I mean I was a I was fairly young when it came out (laughs) 
So I was like, oh my God, is that real? So, you know, there you go. So I have a, a little love. I have a certain love, a certain admiration for this style of film. And I thought Michael Goy did a great job. So again, it's a found footage style horror movie. And it takes the viewer on kind of an eerie ride by giving us glimpses of the characters you know, their day-to-day lives, their activities, kind of how they talk with one another, their personalities. You get kind of an in-depth impression of each character by the little clips that they provide. And it actually flows real nicely. So um, the type of film or footage, found footage that was included was webcam footage, newsreels, and one of the characters, the main characters, she had her own personal video camera. So footage taken from all those different elements and it worked great. So simply put the plot, I'm going to go over that and I'm going to give you a more in-depth plot so you can get a real good idea of what this movie's about. The movie's about two teenagers, Amy, which is played by actress Amber Perkins, and Megan, which was played by actress Rachel Quinn. And they're two best friends who, despite their evident differences, they're very different, they're inseparable. They're the best of friends, and they complement each other in the best ways. Uh, Megan is much more promiscuous. She, she likes partying. She likes all the wrong things, I would nicely put it. And she's very outgoing. She has a lot of friends. A lot of people like her. Uh, some bad people like her. <laughs> not, not the best kind of characters. While Amy, on the other hand, she's much more conservative. She's quiet. She's more reserved. And she's quite shy. She's pretty shy, to say the least. And the movie progresses to a point where Megan, remember Megan's the more outgoing, promiscuous character, she begins talking to an unknown guy online. And conveniently, his webcam is broken. So she can't see him while they're talking, but he can see her. Now that's just creepy in itself. That's totally creepy. But Megan plans to meet up with him, and from then on, she's never heard from again. And that's when the story kind of unfolds, and it just progresses. There's a huge climax, and it's terrifying. So to give you the full overview, the full plot of Megan is Missing, I'm going to read the full plot actually taken from Wikipedia. The link will be down below if you guys want to read it, uh, get get all the information on it. But it's so you can get a better em- a better mental image of the movie and why it has the potential of being so traumatizing, especially to anyone with kids. If you guys have children, especially daughters, this movie really puts into perspective how creepy people are and how easily things can happen if you don't monitor things closely. So here we go. Let's dive in, shall we? The plot from Wikipedia. Quote, Megan Stewart, a popular 14-year-old girl, is well-known and liked among her peers and is an honors student. That part I forgot. I apologize. She was very liked. She was very outgoing, but she was also very smart. And I think that's kind of how her and the other character bonded. However, Megan lives a double life. She's a drug addict, a victim of child sexual abuse, and has a turbulent relationship with her mother, who never forgave Megan for reporting her husband to authorities for molesting her at nine years old, which led to his imprisonment. Now, uh, side note here, that's disgusting of the mother, first off. And you know this crap happens all the time. And it's like, come on. If you're going to be mad at your daughter for reporting your husband for raping your daughter, what kind of parent are you? You you know, I mean, that's disgusting in itself. But you can kind of see how that led the character Megan to kind of live that promiscuous life and get involved with the wrong crowds. It all kind of gives you the backstory of the character and what led to the issue she found herself in. So, okay, going back to the plot here. Amy Herman, 
that's her best friend, her innocent best friend is an outcast who doesn't want to fully let go of her childhood, which causes her to be ridiculed by Megan's more troublesome friends. And that's actually also shown in the movie. So if you guys watch it, you'll see how Megan kind of wants to balance those two friendships with her more bad crowd friends and then her longtime best friend, Amy. And they just clash throughout the whole movie. And you'll see how that progresses. Um, But Amy, struggling with her insecurities, clings to her relationship with Megan as a lifeline to social acceptance. The two regularly communicate by web chat cameras or a cell phone. While talking to one of her friends via webcam, Megan is introduced to a 17-year-old boy named Josh in a chat room. Desperate for love and approval, Megan finds herself intrigued and attracted to him. On January 14th, 2007, Megan goes to meet Josh in person behind a diner, and she is never seen again. Police investigate her disappearance, but soon begin to give up after finding few leads and begin to assume she simply ran away. However, Amy believes otherwise and talks online with Josh to find out if he knows about Megan's fate. She finds his answers regarding her suspicious. After seeing security footage of her kidnapping, Amy tells the police about Josh and his possible involvement in her disappearance, which re-sparks the investigation. Josh confronts Amy and threatens her, saying he is watching her. Total creep. I have a feeling he was a hacker. I don't think it led into that, into the movie, but... His quote-unquote webcam was broken, remember? So he can see them through their web chat, but they can't see him. Ugh, it's so creepy. Like, that's just so creepy. Subsequently, disturbing images of Megan being tortured while immobilized in a contraption begin to appear on an online fetish forum. Three weeks after her disappearance, Amy visits a personal hiding spot underneath an old bridge where she and Megan used to tell each other secrets and begins to record a video diary. Right before the video ends, someone is seen about to grab her. And sorry, I I don't mean to keep interrupting, but side note, (laughs) um, in that same scene, you see a man in the background while she's sitting on the bridge talking to the camera. You see a man in the background. You can't see his features or anything. It's just kind of like a black figure standing in the background, lurking and watching her. It's so creepy. And you get the feeling like, oh, my God, that's the guy who's kidnapped Megan and he's now going to kidnap Amy. And sure enough, that's what happens. It is revealed that Amy had disappeared as well. So, yep, she sure enough was taken by that same guy. Investigators find her video camera in a garbage can near her hiding spot. In unedited footage found on the camera, Josh unlocks a large door in a basement where he has been hiding Amy in her underwear and chained to the wall. He makes her eat food in a dog bowl before he violently rapes her. That seems horrible. I just I have to let you guys know it's bad. He later returns to apologize and says he will let her go. He then shows her a barrel and tells her to get into it so that she will not know where he lives when they leave. After Josh opens up the barrel, Amy runs away screaming as she sees Megan's rotting corpse inside. Josh grabs Amy and forces her into the barrel along with Megan's body before locking it. He loads the barrel into the car and then drives to a forest where he digs a large hole as Amy screams and begs for her life. Josh pushes the barrel into the hole and fills it up before walking away, leaving Amy to die. During the ending credits, a clip shows Megan and Amy relaxing on a bed together, talking about their plans for the future. Oh, I forgot about that part. That's so sad. Um, (laughs) One thing I wanted to also add in to the very end scene where he was digging the hole and then he started burying Amy in she was in she was locked inside the barrel and he was throwing dirt on side of her, burying her alive. You just heard her, like, yelling and crying, like, Josh. That's not his real name, but his 
fake name so he could throw cops off so they wouldn't know his real name. She's just screaming, Josh, I love you. You know, I love you, please. Trying so hard because he basically made her feel insignificant and she wanted to please him. So hope, you know, hopefully he would release her, but it's so desperate and so sad. And you just feel so, so empty when you're watching that scene. And it's really horrifying. I can't really explain it in words. You guys would have to physically see it. And it's a good movie. Um, the amount of emotion that's put into this movie and it's so simple, you know, the found footage concept, it it just works. That's all I have to say. It works. It's a very well-made movie and that's just my opinion. But I mean, as you can tell from this plot, it's very horrifying in its own right. That barrel scene, it really sticks with you. It stuck with me and I've seen this movie more than once. I have, you know, as I mentioned, I've seen it like five times, maybe more. I don't know. I've seen it quite a few times. And whenever that scene is about to come up, I always fast forward because I don't want to see her. I don't want to see Megan's body in that barrel. Same with the rape scene. I can't watch that. It's horrifying. The first time I saw it, I was in shock what I was seeing. I know it's just a movie. I, okay, guys, it's a movie. This isn't real. It gives that feel that it's real because it's that found footage, quote unquote, but it's not. It's just a movie. But the feeling of unease, suspense, and complete desperation throughout this entire movie, that's what makes it a great horror movie. You know, the usage of video camera footage, webcam, and the integrated, they're fake, so quote-unquote spoof newsreels. It's it's not real news footage, but um, all of that together, that's what makes it flow so well, and it just works. It works really well for the movie. They did a great job with editing. The acting was actually really well done, and again, I mean, this is all just my personal opinion on it. I found this movie to be great, and it really, it, it helps open our eyes to the cruel and dark world we live in, and that we all really need to err on the side of caution at all times. So there are tons of real-life cases of young girls being kidnapped, young girls being raped, and then they're killed in horrific ways. And sometimes it's filmed. And because of that, I'd say it's probably safe to say that this movie is based on real events. Maybe not a true story, an individual true story, but it's based on real events that have happened that occur in real life. And that, that's what makes it so much more terrifying is that you go into it knowing it's based off of something real. And that just gives it such so much more of a creep factor. I definitely recommend you give it a watch, though. It is cringy at certain times. You know, the rape scene, the barrel scene, it, it makes you your skin crawl. It just makes you feel gross and dirty and uncomfortable. But definitely give it a watch and let us know what you think of it. I mean, you guys might like it. You might, lo- you might love it. You might hate it. <laughs> it could be any of those, but let us know. Uh, you can reach us by email at depthofdarknesspod at gmail.com if you guys want to you know, communicate via the email. Or you can also follow us on any of our social networks. Those socials, go get it. And those links are down below. We're on Facebook sometimes, <laughs> rarely. I think we're weaning away from that. But we are on Facebook. We're on Twitter and Most often we're on Instagram. So, but to close this episode, you know how we do. So buckle up. If you love our show and want to help us spread that dark cheer, then consider leaving us a rating and review on Apple iTunes. To help support our show and get even more grim content, check out our Patreon tiers by clicking the link below in the description box. Wink, wink. For as low as just a dollar a month, you get bonus episodes, automatic entry into giveaways, and a whole bunch of other awesome incentives you wouldn't have access to otherwise. So go on, give it a looky, and show us some dark love. Until next time.
Bye.